know, I, I know you all pretty well, by the Spirit anyway. doesn't mean God tells me all of your dirty secrets. He, he's a gentleman. He loves you. The only thing he will ever show me about any of you is just so I can pray for you. And that's only when he trusts me to handle it well. To be a good steward of that information. You see what I'm saying? Yes. But I know that coming here to Grace and Truth Church is... Uh, I've been around the body of Christ. You know, God showed it to me when he called me because I didn't want to do this job. And I told him there's a church on every corner. They all disagree. What am I supposed to say? You'd have to teach me. And he said, okay. Then he began to show me the body. He said, it's not what you think. They're not what you think. He loves them all. But there's a lot wrong. And when I, I don't say that lightly because we have to be very careful speaking against any of God's people especially his ministers, and so I'm not speaking against, I'm speaking against wrong doctrine, wrong teaching, and what I'm getting at is I know coming here, that's why I look and it almost, it brings tears to my eyes sometimes just seeing those of you that come, you keep coming. And I could point at each one of you and tell you why that means so much to me. And it's all different for each one of you. Because coming here is like, like drinking out of a fire hydrant. And I know that. I know that. That's why you have to believe that it's God and, and not just me. Otherwise, you'd be offended day one and never come back. And that has happened to so many over the years. And I don't, it's not my intention. It's not God's intention. But God's looking to bring up, raise up some real disciples that will pass it on and will get it and will be helped in every way. And believe me, you can't get that from a 15-minute message guaranteed not to offend. The messages are not designed to offend. They're designed to shed light into the darkness. No matter how much darkness is in your life, you can't shovel it out. You can't bring more darkness to get rid of that darkness. Only the light will drive out darkness. Amen. So I just want to tell you how much I respect you all and, and love you. And those of you who listen online, there's some of you that have been faithful to places like Germany and Singapore and countries I don't very hardly know where they're at on the map. And God bless you. I'm praying for you too. Thank you for all those that give to this ministry. We have, I think right now we have more giving that don't come here than do. And that's sad, but this means that I'm not teaching it correctly. Nevertheless, I'm just going to start with it. Well, I already started, I guess. And I'll lighten the mood up a little bit. I'll tell you a joke. Amen? Amen. Because God is fun. Huh? If you want to, if you just come in and you get an hour of, of a serious talk from God for a week, you know, that's that should be okay. Give you something to reflect on, talk to him about, pray to him about. If you ever find me out of line with this, just 
mention it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out with you. I'll research it. There was a man who lived in Chicago. It's really cold in Chicago, right? Yes. I have friends there, and it was, it was when we were at 105 days in a row, which we still are. Yeah. But just a month ago or so, they were still like, you know, in the 60s and stuff. <laughs> but in the winter, it gets really cold. Yeah. Everything's built different up there. So there was a man who lived up there. And so cold, he decided to take a vacation down to Florida. And his wife was on a business trip elsewhere, but she was scheduled to just meet him down in Florida, right? The next day. And when he got to Florida, he, he thought he'd just send her an email and let her know he'd arrived okay, got checked in and everything. And he accidentally got one letter wrong in the email address. And the message went to a little old lady who's her husband just died the day before. <coughs> she read the email and she shrieked and fainted right there on the spot. The family came running into the room to see what happened and they saw the screen and they read the message. It says, my dear wife just checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. P.S. It sure is hot down here. <laughs>
He said, then we fulfill the righteous law. He said, well, the law is over. Jesus fulfilled the law, nailing everything the enemy accused us with. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, to the cross. But there is a law that Jesus gave. He said, I give you one law, the law of love. And he said, when, you, when you're walking in that kind of love, you, you, you won't even break any of the other commandments because it, it exceeds all of those. You'll never do any harm to a brother if you're really walking in love, the kind of love that is not self-seeking, but gives the agape kind of love of God. And so, and if you do this, you'll feel prosper in every way, in your, in your body, physically, materially. You'll do others no harm. The world will know that you're Jesus' disciples, and you'll know yourself that you're saved. This is how we know <laughs> That people will know you're my disciples. You love one for another. So you can look amongst yourselves and see, okay, yeah. I certainly look forward to being, there's something about it. I, I can't wait to, you know, sometimes hard to get to church. That's because the devil don't want you here. <laughs> but you never, you never said he came, you know. I hope not. But there's just something about being amongst God's people and, and, and praising God and worshiping God and then hearing the the word of God being fed, that spirit man being fed, you know. Because this is supposed to be our daily bread, our spiritual food. And we are a spirit, so it needs to eat. <laughs> but getting us to believe who we are now and what we have in Christ, when we still look around and say, well, man, I don't know. It ain't kicking in, man been there this work on this as a man thinketh in his heart so is he Proverbs 23 7 how do you see yourself see because your soulless realm has to draw from the spirit and agree with that and then this body will follow suit if this soul chooses the flesh then there's death there's destruction there's chaos there's all sorts of negative manifestations God will never interfere with our free will, which is found in that soulish realm. So we want to get into agreement in our mind, our personality with God. And it's to the point where we just say, Lord, if you said it, that settles it. I give up on trying it my way. I did it and did it and did it again, and it just never seemed to. So I think uh, I'll trust the manufacturer of me, <laughs> you know. The soul is the center of all temptation in this life. Your mind, your will, and emotions. It's a, it's a battleground of all these tremendous spiritual battles. But you always have this, last week we talked about a safe harbor to run to in God. As a child of God, you have the opportunity to always run to Him and never run from Him. He knows everything you ever will do, everything you ever did do. He paid for it all before you ever committed one of those sins. He's only going to die on the cross once, and it was way before you were ever born. See? He loves us in spite of us. Not because we're lovely, but because He is love. 
you always have that safe harbor? John 6.63 says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. So this soulish man, the Bible calls it, this carnal man, this natural man. So you still, you're not a natural man anymore. You're supernatural if you've been born again. But you still have the opportunity, the choice to choose either way. You can still sin with the best of them. Believe me, I know Christians who, they got, they got dipped and dried off and you never saw any evidence of it again. Or they went to a Billy Graham crusade or something like that. They said a prayer and then they just sent them out to the world and they end up in a worse state than they were to be to start with. And the Bible talks about that because they need to come and be discipled. They need to learn and grow in God. Maybe. Otherwise, they're like, well, yeah, I took care of that a long time ago. I don't know why everything's screwed up. Maybe it just didn't work for me. See, that's not their fault. That's the church's fault. The soulish man cannot receive revelation from God. That's, that's someone governed by their emotions, by their natural senses, by the flesh. They cannot receive revelation from God. But the man who is spiritual chooses to walk in agreement with the Word of God after the Spirit. That's what that means. They naturally receive revelation and wisdom from God. You have to choose which side of the coin you're going to walk on and believe me. One is really great, and the alternative is very grim. I'm believing that everyone in earshot of this message is desiring to live the supernatural life of love and victory and peace and blessings from God that He's called us to. So I'm going to just minister to you as those who are being led by the Spirit. And if you're not, then you can just come up to that standard. I'm not going to preach down to the old man or to the old nature which is dead and gone or to the person who wants to live the carnal life out of their emotions and feelings and flesh. We don't need more folks in the world who want to live offended or hurt or bitter. We want to help them. We don't want to be bitter. We want to be better. And it's a real option. It's a real choice. But it is a choice. It's not just you're subject to whatever happens, you know. No, you you have a choice. You have authority and power that you, you're not aware of. We want what God has for us. Amen? Amen. So we stay yielded, surrendered to Him in love. He's our God. No government is our God. Praise, praise the Lord. Jesus isn't coming back on Air Force One. Anyone who thinks that the government will treat them better than God, they're in for a rude awakening. Amen. Hello. So we need to line up with God in our thinking, in our believing. We need to decide to love and to live. To reject hate and death and all the things that aren't from God. Now right here in the beginning of my Bible, I wrote something that Smith Wigglesworth, a great man of God who saw so many miracles, 
probably couldn't count them, he had in his Bible. It says, never compare this book, this Bible, to any other book. Never think or say this book contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in value, regenerative in power, infinite in scope, infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality. Read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, pass it on. It is the Word of God. I always love that. Say this. I'm going to read and hear the Word of God. Not as a history book. Or a history lesson. But as a message from God. To me. Amen. We're in an interesting time in history. I don't think that's a revelation to anyone. But the church has great power and privilege. Not from the world. Like I said last week, welcome to the first post-Christian generation since this great nation was established. In other words, statistically speaking, and I'm not settling for that because I still believe the third great awakening is going to bring a lot of hearts back to God and out of this lying, woke nonsense and a true awakening to the true God. But statistically speaking, we're not the majority anymore. But God can take all that the devil means for evil and turn it for the good, can he? Yes. And he's faithful to do it. Yes. And, and with the power and privilege that we have comes something else. Responsibility. <clears throat> Amen? I talk about the Trojan horses. I already have the cover for that book drawn out. I just need to write the book down now <laughs> with so many others that are in here. <laughs> but the world has always called evil good. But the church has taken lots of the wrong thinking of the world. And Jesus, Jesus loves the church, the whole church. The whole body of Christ. And so do we. We love everyone because our Father is love, right? And we're created in His image. But we will never call evil good. Neither will He. He hates sin. Not because He hates the sinner, but because it destroys that person. And He is love. So if we call evil good just to make sure no one is offended, well, that's not love. If we know the truth. But so many refuse to allow the word of God to interfere with what they want to believe. Religion will teach people that, 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 that God's love is conditional. Many churches right around town today. Love, God's love is conditional. You have to earn his favor. That's a lie. Jesus earned it. They'll teach you all kind of crazy stuff. But you're not going to ever be good enough for God's holy standard. That's why you need a Savior who is Jesus. Good people don't go to heaven. 
people don't go to heaven on their own merits. Only people who accept Jesus. Apart from Jesus, you could do all the good better than anybody else and you'd just be the best sinner in hell. But everyone was born with a sin nature before being born again. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9, you hear me say, their traditions and doctrines of men have made the word of God of none effect. What that is is taking two scriptures and putting them together. So I'll read them to you since I don't think I've ever done that because I say that all the time. I get that from Andrew. But Matthew 15, 9 says, In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, they're teaching as truth from me things they made up that weren't from me. And then Mark 7, 13 says, Thus making void, or of none effect, the word of God by their traditions that they have handed down. And many such things they do. So the traditions and teachings of men that aren't of God have made the word of God of no effect because people have believed them. Because you hear the lie enough, you start thinking it's the truth. And then when they open this, they're like, well, no, nah, nah, we don't believe nah, we don't believe that. Well, that's just spiritual. He did not talk about. And then they start, when you start compromising this word, then you can just tear out anything that doesn't fit your lifestyle. See, the last thing that Jesus said in the in the Gospel of Mark, very last thing he said, <coughs> 16 chapters in Mark. Verses 18 and 19. The last half of the of 18th verse, he said they, talking about those who would come to believe on him. So he's talking about you and me. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's the last thing he said. Then, so because there's verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Last thing he said in the Gospel of Mark. If you lack power in your life, ask yourself a few questions. First of all, have you even tried to use your authority in the name of Jesus? Already had one testimony this morning. I did try that. I, believe me, I know where you're at. Me too. Did that a lot of times. Can't tell you how many people I prayed for that died. I don't know a preacher that had. And I'm talking about the preachers that I know that have seen many people raised from the dead, many people healed from stage four cancer, many people get up out of their wheelchairs and walk that they knew were not a fake, not no nonsense that they carried up that was just barely bone and skin and they would end up running around the place. This isn't from ancient history either, like some of the testimonies I give you from Smith Wigglesworth and Kenneth Hagin and people that have gone on. I'm talking about right there in Colorado Springs where Karis Bible College is the school that I'm part of. Just recently. At the last healing combo, 
year before last, I guess. Carly Terradez, Ashley and Carly, they, they, Ashley, he's ministered at our church before. We had to wait outside. It's when we were in Humble. We had to wait for the police and the dogs to clear the building. Someone was a burglar there when I got there. <laughs> he's never been back. <laughs> but, but, but his wife, Carly, and she saw over a thousand people healed, healed right there on the spot at the healing conference. And then the next day, Todd White was there, and he was ministering. I don't know if you've seen him. He's the guy with the long dreadlocks, cool guy, lived a really bad life. But anyway, then this man, this man walked up with his wife in, in his arms. He could barely walk and carry her himself. And she was just nothing but bones, basically. And Todd prayed for her. And he said, now do something you couldn't do before. And she lifted her hand. She couldn't even do that before. And within just a few minutes, she was standing there. And she walked back to her seat, and she was feeling much better. And then the next year, she came, and she walked all the way up to the balcony in the top and sat there for the whole conference, healthy as could be. Another time, they brought a dead child up to the, to the stage, and uh, they took it and, and gave it back to them for healthy and fine. This is things that are happening today. Amen. So these things are for nothing. This isn't a history lesson, like I said. This is this is now. This is informing you of the authority and the power and the privileges that you have in Christ if you press in and, and, and find out and begin to walk in it. And it takes time sometimes. I mean, your life changes the moment you begin that you believe God about anything in your life. That just means you repent. You change your mind. You, well, I thought this, and now I believe God. Regarding anything, that particular thing will start getting better. It's like you took a tomato plant that was wilted and turned over sitting in a dark and dried up pot, and you gave it a bunch of nice clean water and set it out in the sunshine. <laughs> it will start getting better. So ask yourself, have I tried even to use my authority? And second, do you believe God? That's a good question. Do I, do I really believe the word? Do I believe it's for me? Because it's imperative that you do if you want to benefit from the power that's in it for you. It's not hidden from you. It's hidden in here for you. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith... It's impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So you don't just need to believe He exists. James says the, the devil believes and trembles. He's even fearful of Him. But he doesn't have faith. And he doesn't believe that God's going to reward him because it's too late for him. He don't have the opportunity to repent. Only us. Angels don't. Luke 18, 8, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes, will he even find faith in the earth? Talking about himself when he returns. That's so sad. I say yes. And I, I pray to be in that number. I pray all of you be found in faith when he returns. You need to believe God's word because it's life to them that find it. Amen. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. And my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life.
to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. So what it's saying is don't guard your heart from letting anyone get in. Guard your heart from being bitter and holding unforgiveness. You gotta give it all to God. Just trust him with it. Believe me. He knows how to handle stuff better than we do, and he will. It's just letting yourself out of that self-imposed prison. And the last thing is, do you, do you believe you? Ask yourself, do you believe yourself when you speak? And this, is, this is important. It's a real question, though, because God is a God of integrity, isn't he? He holds himself accountable to, the, to his own word. That's why you say, well, if God loves me and he wants all this, why don't he just do it? Because he holds himself accountable to his own word. He has given us authority in this realm. We screwed it all up and gave it away to Satan. And Jesus still said, Dad, I'll go. And he came and died a horrible death just to get it back for his body, the, the church. All those who would believe on him, he gave it back. So you have to believe his word for it to help you. And next, you need to believe yourself when you speak. <laughs> and, I, and I say this in all love. Because if you don't believe, if you're not a person of integrity who, who's good, your word is good, then you're not going to believe the word of God when you say it or confess it. Psalm 15, 4, in whose eyes, speaking of God, a, a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. That's not being afraid, which has to do with judgment, but it's having a reverence and an awe for God, a respect for your Father in heaven. He is God, by the way. He who swears... And then he, he says, who is he that fears the Lord? So he, he honors those who fear the Lord. And then there's a, a semicolon, which means there's a description. It's going to elaborate on what it just said. So he honors those who fear the Lord, semicolon. So what is that saying? He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. A righteous man will swear to his own hurt and change not. That means our word should mean something. If I tell you I'm going to be there at a certain time, I should be there. If I say I'm going to pay you back on Tuesday, I should be the type of friend that walked three miles to find you. It's made four stops. I owed you this seven dollars. And I told you I'd pay you today. Oh, man, are you crazy? You didn't have to. I said it. Because a lot of people these days will just say one thing and then decide later if it still benefits them or not. And they don't think anything about their word. They say promises are made to be broken. You hear that kind of stuff? Even contracts. Nah, all you need is a lawyer. So sad. This used to be a contract. And it meant something. 
integrity has gone down the drain. <coughs> People will look you in the eye and they'll lie to you. They'll lie about you. They'll lie in order to have to not to not to have to hear any negative feedback from you. <laughs> huh? That, what's that? What's that phrase? It's so ungodly. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. That's not God. That's vile in God's eyes. Just knowing the right thing to do and not doing it is sinful in God's eyes. And we might say, "Well, God still loves me." And if you come here, you, you're going to know that because that's a fact. It doesn't change anything about how the way God loves you. You say, then why are you making us endure this? Chase me. I'm not. I'm reading from the Word of God. I'm trying to help you to help your faith be stronger. Because your lack of integrity or my lack of integrity weakens our faith. Believe it or not. Because we get to a point where we don't even believe us. I guarantee you, God is not going to love you any less. But if you keep on living a lifestyle of lies and deception, you will love God less. The Bible says that. Because you start feeling condemned. And instead of turning to God, you'll turn further from Him. You wax cold. Dip, dip, dip in the wax until you've got such a layer that you can't even hear him anymore trying to say, listen, why don't you trust me on this? So if we don't believe ourselves, why should the devil be intimidated by us? That's, that's the point. That's the point. You have great authority and power. It's been given to you by Jesus. But until you surrender your life, your ways to God for His glory, you may never benefit from all that God has for you in this life. Because it all has to come through the Spirit, man. Now that we've talked about that long enough for you to understand where the mind of Christ, the kingdom of God is in you, and you can't discern it with your natural senses, but it has to come through that spirit, through the soul. And that's where you get to benefit from it in the natural or carnal arena that we live in. You see what I'm saying? That has to be drawn out of the spirit by faith. That means this soulish realm has to come into agreement with God. Yes. Because no matter how gifted or talented or strong we are in the natural, we're really not, this, not that awesome apart from God. <laughs> and the devil will eat your lunch and pop the bag apart from God. I want to minister uh, for a minute from Exodus chapter 4, second book of the Bible. 
This is where Moses surrendered everything to God after being on the backside of the wilderness of the desert for 40 years. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. This is where... So, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household, even though he was Hebrew, right? He was like probably the third or fourth most powerful person in the world. <laughs> he had great exploits. He was a great leader in Egypt. He was a military leader. There are even historians, apart from the Bible, that tell of more of his accomplishments. He was a great, he was very intelligent. He did great business deals for Egypt. He had great power. He was 40 years old. He had read the prophecies. He knew that there was going to be a deliverer for his people, the Hebrews, out of bondage and slavery to the Egyptians. They were supposed to be in bondage for 400 years. Remember? And so, at 40, it seemed like the right thing to do. He seemed, it seemed like the right timing. He just knew that God was going to use him to deliver the people out of bondage. And he saw an Egyptian soldier beating a Hebrew, and he killed that soldier and buried him. And he thought that they would praise him and be thankful for that, and they weren't. He went the next day and saw two of the Hebrews fighting. He said, hey, brothers, don't fight. And what are you going to do, kill us like you did that soldier yesterday? It all blew up in his face. You know what? He was 10 years early. It was 390 years into their bondage when he did that. It was 10 years early. Then he had to go and leave Egypt. And he got married and he lived on the backside of the desert as a, as a shepherd for 40 years. So doing it in his own strength, in his own will, in his own timing, in his own way, cost him 10 years in the palace and 40 years in the backside of the desert. Huh? And it cost the Hebrews an extra 30 years in bondage. So now, God appears to him in the, in the burning bush. And he tells him, I'm going to send you back. Now, you've been 40 years at Bush University. There at the burning bush, and he tells him, I'm going to send you back to free your people. And here's what he says. Chapter 4, verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is that? No, first he said, Moses tells him, because he, I already started the first verse, because Moses said, but behold, what, what they, they, they won't believe me or listen to my voice. For they'll say, the Lord did not appear to you. Because he remembered the first time <laughs> without God, right? And the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? And it was a stick, a staff. He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. 
But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. What's in your hand? A stick. All it was was a rod, a staff, for, that a shepherd uses. Just a common tool of his trade. Huh? But when God told him to throw it down, and he was obedient, and did what God told him to do, it became something else, didn't it? At first, it became a snake, a serpent, and he ran from it, which sort of a natural tendency, but he came back. I believe Moses had been out there waiting for another opportunity to be used by God. And he told him, pick it up by the tail. Now, everybody knows you don't pick a snake up by the tail unless you want it to turn around and bite you. Well, we just read what happened when he picked it back up. But Moses had not written the last half of the scripture then. He didn't know it was going to turn back into a staff. As far as he knew, this was a death sentence. But he did it anyway. Why? I believe that he was determined to do it God's way if he killed him, if he got another shot. And he knew that in and of himself he was nothing anyway. And that's where we need to be, folks. Hebrews 11.27 says, By faith, this is in the New, New Covenant, the great faith chapter, Hebrews 11.27, talking about Moses, says, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So he was waiting, standing in faith. He still believed that God was going to use him. He was 40 when he got there, so he, another whole 40 years he waited, 80 years old. Believe me, all of Moses was out of Moses by then. <coughs> Exodus 4, right there where we are, if you look a little further to the 20th verse, when he threw it down the first time, when God asked him, what is that in your hand? He said, a stick, a staff. He picked it back up. It turned back into a staff. But it was more than a staff then. Because Moses wrote this book, and it says, when he took off to head out to Egypt, verse 20, it says, and Moses took the staff of God in his hand. If you would have turned that, that staff in to modern science and let them examine it and test it and to tell you what it is and what it's made out, but it's still been the same old wood. There would have been no headlines to say this, this thing is magical. No. 
but it was now the staff of God because God had told him. He, he showed it. Then when he picked it back up, it looked the same, but he knew it wasn't. Now he called it the staff of God. Amen? You see, we talked about being sanctified. Wasn't that last week? Set apart, made holy. When we're born again, we're spirit, soul, and body. And Paul's prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is that, that we be sanctified, set apart, made holy, kept blameless until the return of our Lord. Spirit and soul and body. And he who is faithful, is faithful he, he is faithful to do it. Jesus is. And that's good news. That's a great promise. First Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2.14 This is how you need to see yourself. It says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly or foolishness to Him. So not, not, don't see yourself that way. That's how we were. Before we knew God. And He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. But for us who are saved... Now our spirit controls our soul. Amen? Or it should, right? Then our soul directs the body. And so now, if you cooperate with God, you're no longer a natural man. You are supernatural. You are a spirit being with power and authority. But you have to believe it, and you have to use what God has given you. In Exodus chapter 14, they go through the wilderness. Moses and all of the Hebrews that had been released from bondage. And they get to the Red Sea. After all the miracles had been done in Egypt, through Moses and Aaron by, by God, and they get to the Red Sea. And I'll just read Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. I'll try to limit it to that. Just to make a point here. Praise God. Well, there's no video today. Glory to God. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15 and 16. Well, the 16th verse is what I'm talking about. The Lord said to Moses, because the Lord went and cried, cried out to God. Because they were backed up against the sea. And God had already told Moses that the Egyptian army, that he was going to harden their hearts and show them that they were boxed in by the land. And they were going to, he was going to turn their hearts and they were going to come after them. 
Moses already had a word from God about this. So when it happened, he went to God for help. But here in the 16th verse, the Lord says, why do you cry to me? You gotta, you gotta hear this. I mean, you gotta see this. You gotta understand. Why do you cry to me? Well, the obvious answer, because you're God and I'm not. You're the one with all the power. You're the one that has the ability to save us. But that's not what God... God said, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. The rod of God, huh? And stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. So that's what he did. That's what he did. Why do you cry to me? Tell the people to go forward. You tell them to go forward. You lift up the staff that I have empowered in your hand. Stretch out your hand over the sea. See, at the moment, that was the giant that Moses was facing. Huh? The obstacle in his way. But he had to lift his hand. He had to raise up the staff. So they could go through on dry ground. He had already given Moses the word. And he had also told him what he was going to do. But Moses had to, had to realize at that point you, you have a part to play. Now, I don't know. But I mean, if he, if, if, he, if he hadn't done his part, I don't know what would happen. Maybe God would have intervened. But that wasn't going to be his best. His best was for Moses to use the authority he had given him. Huh? It's the same with us. Many times we're crying out to God, telling him all that the devil is doing, all that the devil is saying, making ourselves just as pitiful as we can, thinking that God will feel sorry for us and have compassion toward us. Well, listen, he never stopped having compassion toward us. He never stopped loving us. He never stopped seeing us as his children. But he has already granted all things pertaining to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3 And Ephesians 1.3 says, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And he expects for us to believe him, to cooperate with him, and to trust his word, and to exercise the faith that he has given us to accomplish his will in the earth. When Jesus sat down, he said, it is finished, and he gave all his authority to his body, the church. <coughs> Romans 8, 11 through 13 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through 
His Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Hallelujah. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I have given you, you believers, you, the church, authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He's not talking about insects and bugs. He's talking about demons and demonic powers and authorities in Satan's army. I have given you power over the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mark 16, 18. He said, like I told you a minute ago, they shall lay hand, talking about you, on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, you have a lot of people teaching, even from pulpits this morning, all over the place, that being healed by faith is of the devil, while being sick is from God. Is that true? No. That's not true. It's a lie. But do you know that it's true that that's being taught in churches all around this country and all around the world right now? It certainly is. Is that supposed to make you run to God and think of Him as a loving father? No. Why do you think I come against it so much? But it's easy, see? That's easy theology. Because I can pray, I'll be like a weatherman. Nothing happens. Oh, well. Nobody knows what God's ways are mysterious. He's already got it all planned out. We can pray, but we just hoping and wishing, and we'll see what he does. We'll see if he answers that prayer. That's a lie, folks. He's already answered all the prayers. Everything that Jesus gained through his atonement on the cross is yours. Now, if Jesus didn't die to provide it for you through the atonement, you're not going to get it from God by begging or wishing or praying. But if he did die to give it to you and he paid for it, then it's yours. Basically, three categories. Spiritual life has been given to you. That's eternal life. Physical healing is part of the children's bread. And so is prosperity for your provision. You say, well then, why don't you just send me the checks and make me walk, you know, in perfect strength and wholeness and all that? Because... I just explained it to you. You have a part to play. You have to believe it and receive it, speak it, or doubt and do without. It's not a mean thing. He put all of these spiritual laws in place for our benefit. But he expected us to, based on everything he's done for us, to at least trust him and to know that he loves us. He proved it. Someone that loves us that much, he's not going to... Just like the people of, of Egypt, of, of the Hebrews, when he brought them up out of Egypt, they were slaves there. They get out a couple of days into the wilderness. For, after they come through the Red Sea, they'd seen the ten 
all the plagues and all the miracles and things he did in Egypt. And then he saw him part the Red Sea and they get just a couple of days in and they don't have water to drink. And they start grumbling, complaining, talking about God, saying, it would have brought us out here to die. He just wants to be believed and to trust him. up there today probably about the halfway point have a good start running start next week hope to see all of you back Heavenly Father thank you for this day and for your precious word thank you for the the truth of your word, the power of your word, the integrity of your word, that you stand behind your word, and that you really have given us authority and power and dominion in this earth, those who believe on you. Help us to seek you about these things and to learn to benefit from all the aspects of our inheritance as children of God. Yes, we'll be with you forever in heaven, but let us not wait. Let us begin to benefit now so that we we'll, can be held, healed everywhere we hurt, empowered by your promises and provision, loved with the love of God and prospered in every way. That same help, Lord, let us go and help others. Thank you, Lord, for protecting the seed of this word that has been sown today in the hearts of those children you love. Let it take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.